0: This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner. Before we hear from today's fantastic guest, I'd appreciate you subscribing to Garden of Sound. Just head along to gardenofsound.nz, click the subscribe button or the Spotify link and that way you'll never miss a program again and as always you'll be helping to support local music On today's show, Lyndon Puffin As with all the guests on the show music's always been a part of Lyndon's life from hip hop to hippie pop to glam rock to alt country and it's been a labour of love for this incredibly intelligent and passionate man. But with a house and kids and all the responsibilities of being a grown-up, will we ever see another album from this mainland musical hero? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lyndon Puffin on Planes FM 96.9. Lyndon. Kia ora. Can you tell me what the uh what your first memory of music is maybe you know you jump into kind of telling
1: people what you'd like them to think um you know but uh but i thought about it last night and and as i started playing harmonica when i was about three or four um according to my mum and dad and i think the, the truth i think was always reasonably important in our house but the storytelling was vital so I can't, I'm not sure. I don't really remember. But apparently, I played harmonica for for a bit there at the start, and I kept burying it. And they bought me another harmonica, and I buried that. And then,
0: why the harmonica? It doesn't seem like a well, standard. My dad
1: must have had one. Um, he had a guitar as well that sat in the corner of the of the of, of a room, and and sort of had a kind of a, a sort of mystery about it. But he. Um, I only ever saw him play a few chords and there was this idea that he was in this band in Wellington called the Nighthawks.
0: So where is your, your mum and all of this? What's she provided to, to Lyndon?
1: Oh so my mum is is just working side by side with my dad the whole way, you know, like they they just um like that they are going hard out but then my dad lost it and uh and so we, we broke up when we we're about family broke up when we just before I was eleven and we had to shift away and shift away with our mum and uh and that was that was awful but um but my mum was uh let's like say she's an incredibly supportive woman um not really getting what I was doing or why, you know later on when I got into music but just right behind you whatever you're doing
0: but going back taking a step <laughs> back what about what about <laughs> so formal my, formal musical education was not, there any? none
1: none whatsoever no um I try to think like that you know like what is how did, how did the music come into my life besides that you know besides the fact that there was there was music around me all the time and there was um Parents who who listened. My mum was apparently one of those screaming Beatles fans, you know, um, and and so you got these kind of things you try to piece together. But I think um, possibly some of the most important moments are when we resettled in Yor after the family had broken up. Now I'm 11 years old, and we take on this border because to make ends meet, you know, like a girl in the sixth form or something, and she's living at a house, and her parents are paying a bit of money, and that's going to help make ends meet, and. She has a tape, um, and it, and she's playing it in a room all the time, you know. And, and it's um and it's by, it, I, I heard it. And I remember asking her. She says it's by this group called Pink Floyd, and I that that rang a bell with me because just previous I'd been away with my dad. I'd been to visit him back in Picton, and I remember we were going on this big drive, um, over these over just hills out the back of Picton, and the and the song us and them off dark side of the moon came on and i and it was just one of those moments where you'll you end up conversations stopped and you're listening and you're listening to the song and it really hits you you know and i remember saying what is this and he was like this is pink floyd they're really good you know and that was and i didn't think about it any more than that i was like wow right and then like i don't know maybe it's months a few months later i say to my board what is this and she's like this is pink floyd it's like oh pink floyd and can i borrow the tape and so that was the first time that I got really that I moved like, I got really obsessed, right? So I'm like 11 or 12 years old. I know every single word off the wall. I just listen to it every night when I go to sleep, and I become there's no other tape in my life. There's just Pink Floyd the wall. I don't need anything else. I've got that.
0: How many I, copies did you go through?
1: I don't know. I mean I I still know every word of it now. <laughs> but that was uh like at that point it was also kind of alienating because I didn't really have any other I shifted to a new town, didn't have a lot of good friends, but I certainly didn't have any friends who who knew who were people who kids other kids lo- liked music. But I I'd moved to this place where I was now completely obsessed by music. And so I wanted to just talk about music, you know, I wanted this you know, I wanted to draw pictures of of Pink Floyd guys and things and and that's that obsession starts you know and then i remember another key thing was not long after that my mum's rediscovering i love partying and she's dragging me out the pubs and stuff and i'm seeing bands and solo acts just pub covers bands and stuff you know and so we sort of you know see seeing quite a bit of that stuff and then one night she she brings this guy home and um you know the morning after an uncomfortable morning after in our lounge he gets out his guitar because he was in the band or the he was the solo actor whatever from the pub the night before and he he plays the song um good morning america how are you I, i think it's like i don't know if it's but it was good morning america how are you don't you know me i'm your native son i'm the one they call the city of new orleans it's called city of new orleans that's how i get to the names of songs and um and it was by Willie Nelson. Well, I actually don't. I think Willie Nelson covered it, but he was playing. I remember he, knowing that and watching him play this guitar, and I was really um I was really blown away. I didn't really like the guy. The Guy was CDS, <laughs> <He's> still around. <laughs> but uh, but that was my you know I was happy. My mum was happy. Um, we never saw him again, <laughs> but we we I was completely um. I was quite shocked you know and i had to go on the guitar and stuff and and i was at my mum i need a guitar you need to get me a guitar and so she you know found a guitar off a friend of a friend that was like this sh- guitar that you can you could like it was like an old 12 string that was crap in the first place with six strings on it now sort of of whatever strings were available and it was just to kind of get past that moment you know that'll get him past this moment and I, it probably did because it was, it was impossible. But around about the same time, things were pretty tricky at home. I shifted out home when I think when the first one was on the fifth form when I was about 15 or something. And um, to get me back home, we built a little room out the side of the shed. And that was also the place where we put my granddad's piano. And so now i got a piano in my room and I'm trying to, I'm just, I'm messing around, you know. And uh, and I've become, at that, by that point, I'm now fifth form. I'm, I'm just so obsessed by music. I met this dude called Mark Merriman in the third form. And he's he's the first guy who's ever as obsessed by music. That's why we hung out for. And so Queen, Fleetwood Mac, Dire Straits, Doors, um, Pink Floyd, just, you, I can't describe, there's nothing else really in my life
0: but obsessing over albums. I think it's about time to listen to some music and you've named quite a number of amazing artists from your formative years. Is there is there anyone else in the mix who perhaps helped you become the performer you are today, perhaps attracted by them?
1: Um, I was trying to think like, you know, what. I, as much as Pink Floyd were, I was totally obsessed. I wasn't, I never thought of emulating Pink Floyd, you know. Pink Floyd were just amazing. So I never, it never was something I was going to do. And that didn't really happen until I discovered Bob Dylan. And then Bob Dylan seemed to have, uh, as Pink Floyd did, but he, he had, the, he had the anger. Um, I had a lot of anger and so the anger came, I could really relate to that, I hated my school, hated my town, hated my life, you know, like I really, I had a lot of, you know, there was just a lot of anger, and so Bob Dylan had uh, quite a lot of sort of really angry political songs, and while I wasn't, didn't really have any political views at this point, um, I remember the song Hurricane being on the radio, and getting, so I used to just, Go to sleep and just record songs every night. You know, just record what was playing on the radio because the best stuff was often on late at night. It seemed to be like there was something on some sort of program like ten to midnight or or something like that. And I always just recorded that on a blank cassette and uh, and I would listen back to it the next day, um, which sometimes meant you'd get half a song and then you would, that that was enough. You didn't want the rest of it, you know? but I remember getting the Hurricane on tape pretty early, and um and just you know just having you know your ultimate favorite song and pretty much thinking at the time that nothing would ever replace that you know as your favorite song because it had all of those ingredients focus it had anger it had a story um I, I love lyrics you know i'm not really i'm not that obsessed about music itself um i need lyrics which so i've always had a i think a relationship with hip hop as well because i love i love the lyrics and so, that had all of those things. And the music was kind of rough and sort of sloppy, and, uh, and that was an important part of the kind of, almost punk aesthetic of something like The Hurricane. Whatever, what well, I didn't, this is all post-rationalised. At the time I just loved the song, identified with it, you know, listened to it numerous times on a daily basis. And I started playing it, it's one of the first songs I learned on the guitar, and I still play it now if the time is right. Because I can never not get carried away when I play it. It's that powerful as a song.
2: Valentine from the upper hall She sees a bartender in a pool of blood Cries out, my God, they kill killed them all Here comes the story of the hurricane The man the authorities came to blame For something that he never done Put in a prison cell But one time he could have been The champion of the world stops one of us had better call up the cops and so petty calls the cops driving around, number one contender for a middleweight crown, had no idea what kind of shit was about to go down, when a cop pulled him over to the side of the road, just like the time before and the time before that, in Patterson that's just the way things go, if you're black, you might as well not show up on the street, unless you want to draw the heat, like middleweights, jumped into a white car with out-of-state plates, and Miss Patty Valentine just nodded her head, cops said, wait a minute boys, this one's not there, so they took him to the infirmary. Why'd you bring him in here, for he ain't the guy Here's the story of the hurricane The man the authorities came to blame For oh, something that he never done Put in a prison cell but one time He could have been the champion of the world The ghetto's on flame. Ruben's in South America, fighting for his name. While out the decks, the Bradley's still in the robbery game. And the cops are putting the screws to him, looking for somebody to blame. Remember that murder that you happened in a bar? Remember, you said you saw the getaway car. Think it like to play ball with the law. Think it might have been that fighter that you saw running at night. Don't forget that you are The Bradley said, I'm really not sure The cops said a poor boy like you can use a break We've got you for the motel job and you're talking to your friend Bellow You don't want to have to move back to jail, be a nice fellow You'll be doing society a favor That son of a bitch is brave but getting braver We want to put his ass in the stir We want to pin this triple room. Ruben could take a man out with just one punch But he never did like to talk about it all that much It's my work he'd say, I do it for pay And when it's over, just as soon go on my way Up to some paradise, where the child's streams flow along the trail. But then they took him to the jailhouse where they tried to turn a man into a mouse. All of Ruben's cards were marked in advance. The trial was a pick circus. He never had a chance. The judge made Ruben's witnesses, drunkards, fuckers, slums revolutionary bomb, And to the black folks he was just a crazy nigger No one doubted that he pulled the trigger And though they could not produce the gun but The DA said he was the one who did the deed And the old white jury But Carter was falsely tried. The crime was better One guess who testified? Bello and Bradley, and they both all they lied. The newspapers, they all went along for the ride. How can the life of such a man be in the palm of some fool's hand? To see him obviously framed, couldn't help but make me feel ashamed. To live in a land where justice is a criminals in the coats and their ties are free to drink martinis and watch the sunrise, while Ruben sits like Buddha in a ten-foot cell and in a set man in a living hell. This that's the story of the hurricane, but it won't be over till they clear his name and give him back the time he's done. Put in a prison cell, but one time he could be. The champion of the world
0: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lyndon Puffin on Plains FM 96.9. Uh, Lyndon, I want to move into going off and seeing stuff. We're not talking just the uh, club and pub bands down on Friday, Saturday night, down the Ringy Ora Tavern or, or whatever it was back in the day. What was the first gig that you paid some money to get along to I, see?
1: I actually don't know what the first gig I paid money to go see. Um, and I, I think I was kind of, I didn't really get that. I needed some, um, I need a, like if it was advice I'd be giving now to young people, it'd be like, go see lots of live music, you know, like go and see the best stuff because the be- I, like now I do all the time. I don't really miss anything. It's like part of what I do now. It's part of, I think of as part of my part of my business is to go see live acts, you know, um, uh, as much as I can because it's just so inspiring. But I I remember going to see Supergrass when they came to the town hall. That was and I was really into them at the time. I paid some money to see them, but the thing is I was playing with um because I was. Playing in festivals and things when I'm 20 years old, I remember like seeing Head Like a Hole when I was 20 years old. Like them playing at the, they were headlining a festival and I was just like the, you know, in a band that was on at the beginning of the morning, you know, of the first day. And no one was there yet, you know, it's literally no one. <laughs> but I remember stick being able to stick around and 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 watching Head Like a Hole and going, oh my God, this is um, these guys are incredible. Like they're absolutely. It just blew me away. I'd never seen anything like that close up before, besides watching them kind of get them warm up backstage, you know, um, that then watching them perform from the side of the stage, I, I just, it was just this whole next level. And it really affected what I did next, you know. The intensity uh, that they brought to it was was just to be that close to it as well, you know, and, and to to be there was kind of like, man, we need to rethink what we're doing. This whole happy shit thing we were doing at this point, which when I first started off, before I became a glam, sort of glam punk guy, I was sort of, I was. I had this band called uh, Happy Tractor Left in the Sunshine Heavy, and uh, it was just a, a mishmash of psychedelic nonsense. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was, I'd already, by this stage I'd recorded my first solo album and things as like an 18-year-old and things just, <laughs> and it was all me wanting to be Bob Dylan, the first album. Actually, my first thing that I recorded, just to go back in time, it's important When I was in the third and fourth form, I had my first group was called the Incoherent Esoterics, and it was actually a hip hop group with me and my friend Mark, and we would um, we would write songs that were reasonably kind of uh, uh, we hated our high school and everyone in it and uh, and our town, so we wrote about that. And what we did is we just we couldn't play anything, so we just would dub. The, a bit of beats uh, from one tape deck to the, to the next, some sort of sequence from that and just rap over it. There's
3: a kid in our class whose name is Glenn. Now listen good, I
1: won't say it again. He's really tough. He causes mayhem and his best friend, Graham. <laughs> Teachers hated it. They hated it because the kids, lo- other. we've dubbed them off and take copies to school. And you know, with no, gotta remember this is pre Rock Quest or anything like that. There was no encouragement for kids playing music at school, and especially at Your High School. It was just like, what are you guys doing? And just got detention after detention for it. And that was the most encouraging thing they could have done because I hated them, and so the, them hating what I was doing was the most encouraging thing they could have done. If they if the teachers had embraced it, I probably would have dropped it you know if they've been good on you man this is really awesome you're expressing yourself like that so i, I do worry with, with some of these things like rock Quest and things when you do really encourage young people and go and give them something to rebel against it all becomes a big mishmash of softness but that was what it, that was the first time i really started writing you know trying to write and um mark came up with the name the incoherent esoterics and that was great because somehow we were watching the young ones all the time and it was all part of the sort of uh focus of where we we're at and and uh everybody else, for one of expression, everyone else could get fed. That was just that's how we felt. I, I can't I can't mind the depths of my hatred for high school and Rangiura. it was just it was it was a struggle to get through from one end to the other. I'm glad I survived it, you know.
0: Moving from hip hop through uh hippy trippy stuff and through to the the glam rock, this is a little bit of an ambush for you. Yeah right okay. Um You talked about some of the advice you'd give to young people is getting out and seeing music, and I can't agree more with that. But what advice would you give to this young person? You obviously remember this. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right now okay. what would you say to that young person fronting that that band what would you tell them um, I've,
1: I've thought about this quite a bit actually
0: not not because of that uh, because i've
1: recently been backing all of the videotapes up and converting them to digital and it's uh it's been really really odd because it seems like a lifetime ago but you know like it, it, when you first start watching videos of yourself when you're like that and you haven't for ages it's it's actually it's really difficult. It's really difficult to watch it. It's quite confronting, and um and you know I don't like even like that kind of music much, uh anymore. But the mate was motivated by wanting to um wanting to confront and upset people at the time. You know, like as you know a
0: continuation of the incoherent esoteric. Yeah, yeah,
1: sort of. Yeah, and it was really a it was really uh I wanted people to be um you know I wanted to be shocked. I always had these songs going around in my head. I was always writing music and stuff, but I I, I, it, I didn't really have the skills to be able to get that out, and I didn't have people around who too many people who were really into that kind of thing. And then I, I I ended up in this flat in Parnell in Auckland um, with this really interesting group of people, um, artists and stuff, and and that and then I, from that I came back to Rangiora and I put together. A band, which was the Hippie, which which became the Puffins. Um, after about maybe a year and a half, it sort of or well, so, it became that kind of it. it's turned into that, and um, and if I if I look back now and think, well, because a lot of people at the time thought the Puffins were going to be, you know, next big thing. We're on TV a bunch of times and touring and, and things, and we had been a, you know, a bit of music on the radio, but it was sort of if I'd say any to myself then it's um it would be like. If, if you could find someone to listen to, I'm not sure who the hell I was supposed to listen to, but I really needed some advice. You know, like I was trying to manage it and write it and do everything myself at the time. And I realised in retrospect you can't do everything yourself, you know, and uh, and that was that was a failing, but it's it was also a success, you know. We got to a certain point, but um, I definitely I got focus. I I was my my focus was broken. Uh, You know, I needed to focus on just writing the most important things: writing good songs. It's all about songs. And the songs have to be awesome and everything else falls into place. And the songs are never good enough, you know, but you have to keep just trying to write better songs. And I was sidetracked by wanting the, by how it was going to appear, how it was going to be marketed, how we were going to tour, where we were going to live, who was in the band. I was trying to do all of those things, trying to be the manager in the whole thing, you know. I mean, I was running the flats, I was paying all our bills and everything like that as well for all the band and everything. So I was kind of doing all of the stuff. And I look back and I wish that I'd known that that wasn't going to work out really very well. You know, you really needed to just focus on the songwriting. And I, I, what I wished I had was someone back then who, who was able to kick my ass and then talk to him about where it's actually at. Like, you've got obviously got this far, so you've got the drive. And then you need to, don't worry about the costumes and the makeup and the stupid hair and that kind of thing. Don't worry about that. Just see if you can write better songs, because if you can't, the whole thing will come to an end. And it came to an end because I was not focused on the right stuff. So if I if I was being, you know, honest, like looking back at this as I have been recently, it's like it's quite disappointing because I can see the I can see the promise and I can see the potential in the band. And um, you know, and I there were only really three. There were four core members as such. You know, like the there was the there was the organ player who played the synthesizers and the drums and everything better than any of us. He, he Jeremy Lake or Lake Vincent as he was known. He played everything better than any of us, but he was, uh, he, he wasn't really um, a social person, um, he was really not, he, he, I think he liked doing the shows, but it was, it, he didn't really like getting out in public and Is stuff. Is Jeremy still with us? Yeah, Jeremy's up in Wellington, um, he became a um, full-on IT guy. He was the kind of guy, guy who t- who build all our stuff as well, like he'd take everything apart and rebuild it and stuff. And then there was uh, the uh, bass player, who was, like me, not a not particularly good at their instrument, but very flamboyant and also tr- exactly the same kind of thing trying to find their identity hating everything else around them and wanting to really go for it and um and he 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 like me were kind of we were both young rugby players who who kind of like fell out of love with rugby and the rugby scene hard out and then just that so me and and jason were the were the front guys and we just um we you know we we would just do crazy shit live and that that's what we focused on. like, and, we, and I look at that stuff and think, it's quite amazing. But at the same time, I just wish I'd known to focus on the songs. You know, that's that's the thing. And maybe that's that. partly, I sh- uh, it would have been good if the, I don't know if New Zealand had that infrastructure then. I don't know if it has it now. I actually don't think it does.
0: You have raised some incredibly important issues, but I think we need to listen to some music. Mm. So... At this point in time, I, I wanna yeah, exactly. <laughs> talk about I wanna talk about one of
1: your uh, your favourite pieces at least. Oh yes, so yeah the what is a favorite piece of music? And I thought instrumental as soon as and then I thought of then all the rest of the songs came flooding in, you know? And it was going, to be, was going to be Naive Melody by Talking Heads, because it stayed with me. And then it was going to be Thunder Road with Bruce Springsteen. going to be Andy by The Front Lawn. Um, Quicksand by David Bowie. But I thought of the, the first song that came to mind was actually Albatross by Fleetwood Mac, um, the early period of Fleetwood Mac before Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham joined, which was okay as well, but the early period was just amazing, just incredible. Just yesterday, I was listening to a Hard Road by John Mayle and the Blues Breakers, which has most of the early Fleetwood Mac in it. And Albatross is one of those incredible pieces of instrumental music that uh, that you know I just I have I loved it the first time I heard it I love it no less now um, and the guy Peter Green who wrote as he wrote um, Black Magic Woman and uh, um, Man of the World and things is just one of those incredibly gifted damaged individuals who, who you know who is the real reason behind Fleetwood Mac <laughs>
0: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lyndon Puffin on Plains FM ninety six point nine. Lyndon, you've been playing for so many years in so many different styles. Are you still writing original music?
1: Oh, all the time, totally. Uh, all, like all, like I play the guitar every day. Like so, there's one guitar that is the most important thing in my life, which is the little, like maybe three quarter size nylon string guitar that Peter Stephen, the luthier, and, and um, in Littleton made for me I didn't order it I just talked about always wanting a guitar like that uh, and one day he rang me up to tell me it was made or maybe Adam from the Eastern told me that Peter had told him that he'd had the guitar that I he'd made for me and I went down and got it and I started paying him some money and I don't remember much I paid him I just paid him off over some time And I ended up with this guitar made from a tree that had fallen down in a the big storm in 2000 and um and like in Charteris Bay so I've got this guitar that means something and it just hangs out of reach of the kids and it's never in its case. It hangs up by the roof. And I, I take it down numerous times every single day. And I'm either figuring out other people's songs because I've heard them on the radio. And if something comes on the radio that perks my interest, I just go and push stop and I start playing it. Maybe I'll bring up the chords and stuff and just open it on a tab. of which there are uh, literally a tab with hundreds of songs open at any given time. Maybe it gets to the next stage where it's printed out and it goes to my songbooks of which I've just stacks and stacks of songbooks. And then there's my own songs and they're concurrently being written all at the same time and they just, they're, I come up with little lyric ideas and I put record them onto my phone or I write them down in my diary and there are, There's ideas all the time, and um, then I've got it's just that finding the time to then figure out which ones are good and to then work on them. Some of them come easy, some of them are impossible. All of them, nearly all of them, require work. Quite a lot of actual work, work to get them finished, and to try and make them good. Um, So you know, like if I'm thinking about my writing process as such, you know, like I, it's always lyrics first. It's never really music first ever, and then. It goes from the, it go, you know, like I'll come up with a lyric idea. Um, like I've just got this one at the moment I'm working on that starts with the line. It's got to be a good opening line. It's got that's the most important thing for me. It may not stay the opening line, but it starts. So the opening line at the moment is "Offer me something I cannot refuse: single malt whiskey, middle-aged blues, and I'll tell you a, a secret that everyone knows: you won't feel the
0: highs if you're always avoiding the lows." There's a real joy on your face. Yeah, i, told, of you I reciting I, that. You look I, alive. I
1: I, I, I I love writing, um, and. And then I, I, I really love recording as well. The thing about the writing process is there's that part there where you sit and you, you come up with an idea and that idea amongst all the ideas just stands a bit higher than the other ideas and so you focus on it and then maybe as you push it actually turns into a song like the rest of it keeps coming. Some, I've had some other songs where I've had the most wonderful starts and I cannot get to the chorus. And then, and then the next part of it is that you take it live and you go out and you play it to people. And I'll do that before it's finished, you know, before I know, because I want. The, then when it goes, bounces around a room with some sound and it comes off some people and I can see their faces it feels different now than it did just by myself and that will affect it again and then I will probably need to rewrite some of it because some of it will oh right once I showed it to people I felt the embarrassment of the part that didn't work you know and then I'll demo it and when I demo it like I just record it maybe just into my phone as a completed thing or I kind of go a bit further and get a nice mic and the laptop out and put it into Pro Tools and maybe muck around a wee bit with some backing vocals and a a few bits of a little riff or something to go with the acoustic guitar but Um, maybe get real jiggy with a shaker, and I get the demo down, and it's like, that will change it again, because then I'll be like, now I'm not in front of people performing, but that's affected it in a really important way, but now I'm putting it down, and it's just about the song, and then I can see again bits that work and don't work, and it has to be changed again, and then get a producer in, and then let them decide from those 30 demos, which ones are, because I'm not the guy to decide, at that point, I realised that really late on in the piece, and then they decide, uh, like this last album was produced by a guy called Wayne Bell, and he's awesome. And Wayne, I remember saying, he's saying, Yeah. He- because I was going through this, I'm, I'm a country musician from Littleton phase, and a, a phase that I unfortunately am responsible for starting. So I remember taking this, like my, I had all these country songs and I took them to Wayne Bell and he listened to them he was like, dude, you're not a country musician. Do you know anything about country music? I was like, not really. He's like, so what is this? Is this a default setting that comes from playing acoustic guitar and harmonica? I was like, yeah, probably. Like, okay, let's discard all of those songs because I reckon these are the songs that you actually really Really feeling the others are novelty songs. You've written a lot of novelty songs, and I'm like, yes, I certainly have. It's like, right, okay, it's hard to hear. get rid of them. Oh no, it's so important. Get rid of the novelty songs. And he and he picked out a bunch of songs he thought were well, right, and we argued about it for a while. And then we and then we uh, and then he's like, and I'm, uh, I, I, you know, he picked a group of musicians that he he thought would work with me and the kind of person I actually was. And that was um was oh, I was already going to work with John Mulholland and uh, Ollie Harmer at the lab, but then he the Brett Adams uh, from the Bad's, the Mocker's, a wonderful guitarist, um, and uh, and uh, who else was there? Andrew Cogan is another fantastic musician, and so we, you know, we had a, a, an incredible band, and uh, that then took my songs and basically just used them as a brief. <laughs> the demos we kept the same lyrics most of the time. I had to change a few of them because they didn't fit into the new music, and really terrifying, just letting go and then watching the songs become something entirely better, and uh, while I sort of stood back not in even in a, in a production role more in a facilitation role like I just
0: remind me the name of the album uh, the
1: album's called hope holiday and um and the, the what became the sort of lead single of hope holiday which I never thought it would ever be but that song uh song called out of reach um it uh you know it, it did really well and and I I can only tell you the story of how out of reach happened so that you can see these things evolve it's a good example of how these things happen. I remember coming off a tour and being at a Christmas party at my friend's house and I was really really um, I, I, I was really tired and I didn't want to talk to anybody as such so I did what I do which is hide behind the guitar. so if I'm strumming the guitar in the corner maybe no one will talk to me you know sort of thing and um, can, can you can you pass one of those that, that, like little guitar over because it's probably important that <laughs> and and'm I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I've come up with this little riff which is the kind of thing you're going to come up with. I'll put it right up here like this and you can kind of vaguely hear It's not really that important, but. It's not really my normal kind of rhythm either. It's a bit funkier than normal, but. And I. And I had this. I had this kind of pit where I could. I had these sort of lyrics um, and, and they were all kind of coming at the same time. I record it into my phone. No one else is going to hear that because I'm, I'm. It's embarrassing. I'm wasted, but I'm, I'm I sung it in there, and it just kind of kept me from having to talk to anybody else. And then the next day, I listened back to it, and it was
3: like, I'm gonna see you now. As you're leaning on the bow, and the wind is in your hair, and you're living
1: without a care. And I even got to the chorus, and to that well prow. And I had this sort of idea, and I was like, something to do with growing up, and something to do with the friends you go through, and something to do with Waikuku Beach, and something to do with all this. Um, this emotion um, that was just very, uh, just it was what I felt at that time at that party, and uh, and then I take that and I start playing it live, and I've got I start doing it, finish the song off, finish itself reasonably easy, and I've got a harmonica riff to it and stuff, and so I record the demo, which is like really kind of like got a didn't with just this harmonica riff that sort of sounds more like Neil Youngy or something, and um and it's on the demos, and I give it to the to Wayne, and Wayne's like that song, we got to do that song. And then we come in to record on the first day and Brett Adams, the guitarist, I'm like, oh, hey, one of your songs I came up with a riff for last night. Um, and, and it was that song. And his riff was sort of a... And he's like, I don't know whether we can use it because I'm sure it's something else. So we spent the next hour trying to figure out what we, he'd ripped off. He couldn't, We couldn't figure out anything. We're like, well, maybe that's a, why it's a good riff for because it sounds like it could be something else, but it wasn't. And it never has ever come to us. But he had this riff and it seemed to have come too easy. So he took that and then... And then Wayne put a different beat to it than I thought. And I was like, whoa, well, no, 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 guys. No, 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 no. It's a harmonica thing with this, with this thing, you know. And then, um, and then Joel came up with a really interesting kind of uh these weird bass chords and things and keyboard parts. I put it to it, um, or synth parts. And it was it just became it it realized the emotional stuff, it realized the groove much better, and it just through the first like couple of hours a quite terrifying thing it just came up out of the dark and <laughs> such in my head. And um and, and it was so important the first day of this recording session because I realized by about lunchtime that this was just wonderful. And if I just let go, then these guys would take this song to that place. And it was happened so quickly. Like we were literally on to the next song after lunch. And um and it was just left for me to do the vocals. I put down a guide. That was it. But it um but they brought their parts to it. That's how a song can start sometimes. <laughs> I want to hear it. Let's hear it. And so let's play the final thing of Out of, of, of Outer Reach. Um, yeah.
3: without a kid, and you're watching the water part, and you're wondering where to start. We'll be over the neighbor's fence, and we're making it all make sense. Yeah, we're lopping it all the straights, and we're dreaming about V8s. And we're counting down the days, to the summer holidays, cause tonight we're on the prowl. This
0: You're listening to the Garden of Sound interview with Lyndon Puffin on Plains FM 96.9. Uh, we just come out of Outer Reach um, off Hope Holiday. Yeah. Um, is yeah. there something you wanted to say yeah. about the track?
1: Yeah, there's, um, I uh, I mean, I'm I'm like 100% pleased with the music, and, and most of the vocals are pretty good. As soon as I started playing it live a bit more after this, I changed the lyrics of one line, and I wish I'd... It didn't. It was only just after this. And, what, was the, what was the line? Um, we're laughing at all the straights, and uh, and I in the um, in the first verse, and I and it, I change it to listening to dire straights, and I was like, listening to dire straights and dreaming about V8s because that's what I was doing at the time, and I didn't. I remember not having that line finished really at the time, so laughing at all the straights was just a kind of a filler line. Laughing at all the straight people. Laughing at all the straights, which we were kind of doing, but it's lame, and it's a bit pointed, and then and then it. And then I came up with listening to Dire Straits and um, Dreaming About V8s. And I just, I've never sung anything else since then. And I often want to go back and change that, you know, because it's like, damn, man. So every time I hear the actual version of it that I'm not playing, I'm like, oh, there's that line that I never sing anymore. And I re- so you have those little regrets. I don't think it was cares. But every time I hear it, I- every time I hear it, I feel it. I'm like ah, some songs I change the lyrics for three or four times. Though you know, I'll go back, I'll finish it, and I'll think that's awesome. That's awesome. We've got it. And then a wee while later, I'll change them completely again. And then I'll change them completely again. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah.
0: Lyndon, musically, is there anything that you you always wish you'd done? I'd love to do tour support for Paul Kelly.
1: Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Paul Kelly's um, uh, Australian musician singer songwriter and i and i've done I've, I've toured with billy bragg a couple of times and that was just that was awesome um but uh yeah being able to um being able to or, or play with paul kelly that would be kind of a i don't really have a lot of those sort of again i'm not a dreams or goals focused kind of guy what about
0: instruments I, wise you've been very harmonica and guitar focused the majority i'd like to life. get I'd like to get better
1: at the piano um i have with my own kids um i i wish i'd learnt to play the piano first and i kind of often say this to people like um who ask me about playing guitar or harmonica and things it's like learn to play the drums nothing will make your guitar playing better than playing the drums because it's it's a if you unless yeah, it's rhythm i mean even if you're playing lead guitar it's a rhythm instrument you know to you and nothing seems to help more than you know just being able to play drums and i learned to play drums as anyone in bands does a certain amount um and I look at my kids now and I think, I want to arm you, if you ever want to play music and that's up to you, um, then uh, I want you to learn the drums and the, and the piano. So we'll have drums and piano around them as soon as they're old enough and they sort of muck around the piano now and they can play anything else they want to afterwards. They just won't be getting into horse riding because it's too expensive.
0: Lyndon. Yeah. <laughs> you've been an amazing guest. Is there a track you want Thank to take you. us out with today?
1: Yeah, I want. I want uh, the last song was a song I've just written um, for one of my kids, for my little boy Losey. Um Elliot is his real name, but um, Rita, the little girls, Rita and Elliot. Rita couldn't say Elliot because it was one of those names you never think about. To you know, it's too tricky to say as a little kid. So she called him, tried to say Elliot when she was like about eighteen months old or two years. When she, L, and it became Lolo and that became Losey. And now he's only known as Lulzi. I don't know if he knows that he's Elliot at all. So during at the in the last election, while we were waiting for the um the results to come through while they were all negotiating, and that and there's so much kind of talk back fury going on. And <laughs> I remember thinking, man, if there's one thing this country doesn't need, it's any more dicks. And um that's what we that's what we say about it, boy. We're gonna try and make you not a dick. And I started writing a song about that. Um, and the first line is I will do everything I can not to become another angry old man who's kicking a tin can around the backyard and blaming everyone else. And I'm gonna promise the little boy that um that, that I won't become one of those angry privileged white men who sort of rails against change and uh and and you know, screams at election time and <laughs> I think, you know, slowly coming right. Um to a, a sense of much more quality and this song's sort of about that and i call it beauty fade as well um but at the moment but or song for Lulzy. so let's let's go out with that thank for you Lulzzy and reader thank yeah. you so much cheers mate. One, two three
3: Everything I can Not to become another angry old man Who's kicking a tin can Around the backyard Blaming everyone else so Why does it seem impossible To avoid becoming that fool on top that Arguing that World's on fire cause of everyone else How the hell can we let all this beauty fade behind these stone curtains that our father's made you tear them down and feel that sunlight flooding in and you let the healing begin Guy making, killing, taking cheap shots at the expense of everyone else. Holding my son up in the air, all of the lies become so clear and vital to break the cycle you will never look down on anyone. Else. How can we let all this beauty fade? Behind these stoic curtains that outfall is made? You tear them down and feel that sunlight flooding in You let the healing begin Yeah, you let the healing begin Another angry old man was kicking a tin can around the backyard blaming everyone else.
0: Thanks for joining me today. My guest was London Puffin, and that was Song for Lulzy" of London's next album, Atheist Hymns. Please do kindly kick his ass and encourage him to make it happen sooner than later rather than later. You can find out more about Lyndon by heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on his image on the front page. From there, you can listen to all the tracks we talked about today on his bespoke Spotify playlist. Right, next week, it's Lotus. They joined Dear No One and Merlin Co at Garden of Sound Live last year They've got great things planned for 2019. All of this while still attending Kashmir High School. So make sure you're around for that one. That's all for today. I'm Ian Turner. Thank you for joining me. I hope you have enjoyed yourself. I'd love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. Haere